Grace you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Just one word. Charlottesville. And even if you're not a person who watches the news, by now you have heard uh, what happened uh, last weekend. A group of extremist uh, protesters organized a protest in Charlottesville, chanted hate slogans against certain ethnic groups. And of course, you've heard about the counter-protesters who organized to confront their message of hate and intolerance. Things turned violent. Three people were killed as someone used his car to attack pedestrians. I suspect that the counter-protesters who assembled there would very much identify with this beatitude, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because certainly bigotry and racism is such unrighteous behavior. But the irony is that I suspect that those who were the extremist protesters chanting their racial slogans also would have identified with that verse, but in their minds, righteousness would look like something very very different. You know, we all like to think we're right. And we all think we have a pretty good definition of right and wrong. And we all think we have a pretty good definition of righteousness. But being able to define that well turns out to be very important. And even those of us who are pretty sure that we we figure out what the Bible means by that word righteousness, we might actually be a little challenged by this story that you just heard read of Jesus clearing the temple. Because certainly Jesus was someone who hungered and thirsted for righteousness, but what he did at that temple that day actually doesn't quite fit in with how we usually define righteousness, which is that usually we define righteousness as, as doing that which is consistent with what God commands doing what's consistent with what God commands. Well, let me tell you, it's important to point out the beginning of the story that those livestock sellers and those money changers were actually helping people do what God commands, helping them keep God's law um, as taught by Moses. Because Moses, the law of Moses states that any animal sacrificed at the table, at the temple to God, must be an animal who is free from blemish. Which is actually kind of a nice way of saying that when you bring God an offering, you're supposed to bring God the best. And not just that, that leftover from the, 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 the flock or, or the herd that you wouldn't have been able to sell at market anyway. So if you brought an animal to be sacrificed at the, ta- at the temple that was not appropriate you would have an opportunity to buy an appropriate animal to sacrifice from those as you went into the temple. Likewise, if you didn't have an animal to sacrifice, but you wanted to make a sacrifice on behalf of your family, they were there for you to be able to buy and so fulfill the law of Moses. And likewise, there was a commandment about no graven images. You maybe even remember that one. It's one of the ten. Yet every Roman coin in circulation bore the graven image of Caesar. Now, how could that be an appropriate gift to offer at the temple? So there were money changers there who would uh, exchange your money, coin for coin, uh, from Roman money into temple money that you would be able to offer then at the temple. 
So the sellers and the money changers were actually there helping people keep the law, helping them do the right thing. Yet Jesus became angry with them, driving the animals away, overturning the tables of the money changers. And you've got to ask yourself, why? I mean, what were they doing that was so wrong? What made their activity so unrighteous? Well, I mean, you could read into the text. You would be easy answer would be say, well, they must have been cheating people. They were just crooked business people. But it's not what it says. What if it was that wasn't the problem at all? But what if Jesus had a problem with the whole enterprise of bringing a sacrifice? Why? Well, look at it this way: You want forgiveness from God? Go buy an animal. You want a blessing from God? Make a donation. It just kind of had a way of cheapening down the whole relationship with God, making it a, a matter of a business transaction rather than inviting people in to an intimate relationship with their creator. And so even though those money changers and animal sellers were doing what was right, the action itself was unrighteous because it was taking people out, away from a closer relationship with God. Let me say it this way. Jesus taught us that there's nothing really we have to offer God that God wants except our hearts. That's just another way of saying that what God wants most out of us is to be in a relationship with us. What God wants most is for things to be right between you and God and the other way around. I mean, really, that biblical notion of righteousness, that's really the aim and goal of righteousness, is, is to make a right relationship between us and between God. But when we do activities, things that we do that, that kind of keep God at the margins of our lives, keep God at a safe distance away, keep God as a blessings vendor that we can tap into when we need a blessing, but never actually want to engage God, heart-to-heart in a relationship, well, that behavior will never be right. And of course, that behavior describes each one of us in this room because that's what we confess when we say we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. Our hearts are not very good at drawing close to God. So how do we get right with God? Well, the Apostle Paul said there's just one way, by being joined to Christ. That when we are joined to Christ in the waters of baptism, that's when we become right with God, just by belonging to Christ. Righteousness is given to us as a gift. We never earn our righteousness. We never earn our place with Jesus by doing the right thing or by, by being right. We just accept it as his gift and his invitation. Oh, but how we still want to be right and how much energy we, convince, uh, uh, we, we spend to convince ourselves and others that we are the right ones in any situation. I mean, every argument we get into, it's because we think we're right. 
I'm fairly certain that every person who was marching and protesting in Charlottesville and counter-protesting were 100% convinced they were right. And come to think of it, there's a parable about two brothers where the younger brother who asked for his inheritance early from his father certainly thought he was in his rights to do so. And the older brother who chose to stay home certainly thought he was right to do so. But, you know, thinking of that parable, if you remember, that parable taught us that neither of those sons were righteous. That's because neither of them wanted to be in a relationship with their father. They only wanted the blessings that they could get from their father, the wealth, the inheritance, and they just went about getting it in two different ways. But the relationship they didn't care about. You see, actually, righteousness has very little to do with being right. It has everything to do with being in a right relationship. Let me illustrate. I want to share a couple, about a, two couples. Both uh, in premarital counseling that I got to do, the first counsel, uh, first couple long ago, who were soon to be married, they were having concerns. Actually, it was the bride who was having concerns because she had assumed that once they became engaged, that her soon-to-be husband would start making her a bigger part of his life. But nothing changed. He still hung out with his friends and his buddies just as much as he ever did, still went hunting just as much as he ever did, and she was a little concerned that even now she was second or third priority in his life. Now, in terms of being right, he was doing nothing wrong to have friends. He was doing nothing wrong to have interests outside of, of the marriage. The problem was is that he was not making a relationship with her one of those priorities in his lives. She was just a nice add-on. Contrast that to another couple who came for premarital counseling, basically tanked the premarital inventory. All sorts of red flags popped up. Uh, that indicated that, boy, they had a lot of conversations ahead of them. They, had a, they were going to have to invest a lot of time and energy to work out a lot of things that were just going to be problematic in their marriage. And most of those issues ultimately came down to the fact that one of them, each of them thought that they were the right one, and it was the other one that was going to have to change. But instead of, of running away when they kind of figured that out, Instead of insisting on their own rightness, they so much wanted to make their relationship work that they came for extra counseling sessions until they learned what they needed to go know, which was basically to let go of the need to be right in each of these situations in favor of being in a relationship with each other that would go the distance. They're still married. What's true for all of us is that most of the time, it's a lot easier focusing on what's right and on being right than it is focusing on Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. But righteousness is about being in relationship with Jesus. 
Now, whatever the hate-driven protesters last weekend, whatever they had been taught about God, I will tell you that the idea of righteousness that they had in their mind had to be quite different from the righteousness that Jesus had in mind. Because remember, Jesus was the one who took the time to teach a, a despised Samaritan, someone outside of the religion, to teach her the way to abundant life. Jesus was the one who had the compassion to heal the slave of a despised Roman centurion who was occupying his country and holding his people down. Jesus was the one who took the time and the love to heal the daughter of a despised foreign Syrophoenician woman. See, righteousness for Jesus is always about bringing in that inclusive power of love that can make each one of us whole. And the good news for us is that he has included us in that love. He has wrapped his arms around us and he has welcomed us as a gift into a relationship with him that will never fail. And that relationship with Jesus is the one and only thing that makes any of us righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for a relationship with this Jesus, for they will be satisfied, they will be changed, and they will be blessed. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all our understanding keep our hearts and our minds focused on Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.